You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. So welcome aboard to Amanda Egan. You are a, uh, what, what can we describe you? You're, you were an actress and you then became an author and a very successful one at that. The type of book that you're most well known for is, now I have a bit of a problem with this, so we can discuss this as well, Chicklet. Yeah. Is that is? Are you happy with that phrasing, or is that? I'm perfectly happy with that. Chiclet, rom com, whatever you like to call it. I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. Cool. And how many have you written so far? Oh no, there's a question. Um, I think it's fifteen full length and two Christmas novellas. When was the first one? That's another good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of the questions. <laughs> I always have to ask Roy this because it's gone, in some ways it's gone so quickly and in other ways it's gone so slowly. I think I've been doing this now for about nine years, you know, properly. Yeah, about nine years. Right. And when you say properly, like uh, most performers or um, self-funded artists and authors, it, I assume you were doing other things uh, prior to that. So what's, what's what was your journey to Ooh, writing? Um, a journey to, I'd always written, right from a child. I'd always been a huge reader. Um, was always a bookworm, always had my head in a book. And, you know, like lots of writers, always have drawfuls of kind of half-written books, chapters, short stories. Never really thought, yes, I can do this, until, weirdly, um, my son developed um, school phobia. And I spent three years in his school car park or outside his classroom, literally just to get him into classes. So I, of course, did a lot of reading because there's not a lot else you can do. Um, and um, then with, a, at the time, a borrowed laptop from my goddaughter, literally the first book just flew. And I think I wrote the first book within about three months. That's really interesting. That happens quite a bit, doesn't it? I think when you, you've obviously just had all that stuff waiting yeah, to come yeah. out and that, that what it felt like. Yeah, it did. Um, obviously, the first book is um, Diary of a Mummy Misfit, and that's based very loosely on um, my son's prep school that he went to and the types that you might meet at the school gates. And I'll say here and now, there, is, there isn't a character in there that actually exists. They are all a mishmash of characters, so can't get sued. But all those, all those little <laughs> anecdotes and little things that have happened and um, things I, I've either overheard or have said directly to me suddenly became a novel. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's about, it's about belonging, isn't it? Because you, hmm. you obviously felt completely out of kilter with that... Uh, time of yeah. your life and that it's amazing that the way to deal with that was to sort of regurgitate it and make it sort of more um exactly. in the form of a book <laughs> that's the word I would use yeah and it's incredible so so your son had a he developed a, a phobia for school he did. then um, many children do <laughs> well yeah this was pretty serious though uh, really yeah, he, really uh, it was when he moved up to secondary school I had my mum living here for a while at the time as well and she'd been having really serious panic attacks so she'd moved in she was half the week with us and then half the week at home with one of my sisters. And I don't know if kids as sponges pick up on these things, but whether or not that was coincidental, I don't know. Um, but it, it was exactly the time that he moved up to secondary school and he was really? just crippled. Sort of, yeah, you just don't know, no. do you? But what is interesting as well is that um, as horrendous as that obviously was at the time, that a huge positive came of it. And also the fact, I love that it, it wasn't even your laptop, it was yeah. a borrowed <laughs> laptop and... Because <laughs> one of the things that I'm hope, hoping to sort of help other people out there that listen to these podcasts is that the whole uh, ethos that to do anything or to start anything, you have to have all the right equipment and it has to all be perfect is yeah, complete fallacy because exactly right. So, uh, you know, you can get going on, on well, especially with writing on a, a pad and a piece yeah. of a pad and a piece exactly. of paper. That's not right. <laughs> but a pad and a pen. 
How many drafts did you do of that first one? Do you remember? Um, well, I'd kind of written half of it um, and I managed to get myself an agent, which was like a miracle because, you know, these things just don't happen. And yeah. he said, yeah, definitely get it finished. And the whole thing was then sent to him and he wanted another plot line added, which... <laughs> Having written the book was not the easiest thing to do. That all had to be added in red so that he knew where I'd added this new line. Then he would come back with other things that he wanted changed. So I'd say between my rewrites and his suggestions and rewrites, it was a good seven or eight different drafts. And the and the other interesting thing there is, so did you write to many publishers or agents rather before you found the right one for you or was it a case? He just... was the first one. Well, it just so happened that I knew him from drama school uh-huh. and he'd gone into the literary world and absolutely yeah. loved it, but it ended up totally letting me down in the end and I sacked him, but that's another story. Well, these things don't always have happy endings. <laughs> it was just so lovely to think, you know, the first book that I'd ever actually finished um, had nabbed me an agent and had nabbed me lots of interest from Penguin House and Penguin and Random House. And I started thinking, yeah, this writing thing's easy. You know, anyone can get themselves an agent and I'm going to get this book deal. And then, of course, it all just fizzled out. So it wasn't that easy after all. No, so what happened? So it, it happens to an awful lot of authors and and it's not just authors, it's actors as well. You know, you you, you struggle to find an agent or somebody to get behind mm. you or a, a publishing house. And there's suddenly a lot of options. And then quite often those options end up coming to yeah. nothing. So what was the what was the sort of story for you? For with, you? with the agent. With that a random, uh, peg, the publishers What as happened well. was he said that we, um, Random House and Penguin had both expressed an interest and there was a strong possibility that it could go to auction, which of course is something that every author, whether it's first author or otherwise, wants to hear. Um, then we came, um, it was coming up to the book fair. Um, so lots of people obviously were very busy. Once that was over, I kept chasing him up saying, look, have you been in touch with them? Have you been in touch with them? Basically taken his eye off the ball and was dealing with another client who he managed to get a book deal with. When he finally got back to them, the person I think from Penguin had joined a Random House. So suddenly I had nobody at Penguin interested anymore. And the Random House people were saying that they'd signed somebody, literally signed somebody that was too similar to me. Because he hadn't kept on the ball and kept chasing, I lost out on the deal. Yeah, that happens such a lot. And also that thing, I mean, that's an actor's as well yeah. as a, an author's thing, isn't it? Oh, we've got people just yeah, like exactly. you. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the great thing about that story is, is that it didn't stop you. So what did you do then? I had a huge sulk. <laughs> I chucked the manuscript in the drawer and said, that's it. Never writing again. Never going to apply to an agent again. Then, of course, um, we had the Kindle came about. I thought, Okay, let's give this a go. Let's um, see if I can do this myself. The rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, so what was it? Was it 15 books later, you Uh, said? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing, though. That's a a brilliant, brilliant story. And the, the thing is, Amazon and Kindle did for a while just hugely open up the market for for self publishing Mm. and for people that, you know, like yourself, that were sort of on the periphery of being published and for whatever reason didn't happen. How do you feel about it now? Because it's kind of moved on to being slightly less helpful. Yeah, I have to be very careful when I talk about Amazon because my my language (laughs) is likely to go slightly blue. Um, It's awful now. Um, I mean, the way Amazon pay us, the way they categorise things. Uh, there's so much erotica. Um, yeah, I've, I've got nothing against erotica. Somebody published a chapter under my name when it's being published and they can barely string a sentence together. That's the kind of stuff that us as authors are up against that, that people have to 
kind of get through to get to the decent stuff. So when you say that, so somebody sort of hacked your no, account, no, no, basically? No, then, that's actually or... their, their name, Amanda Egan. Oh. And they write... <laughs> Damn them. You know, a chapter <laughs> of porn. Um, and it ended up yes. on my Amazon page, which wasn't great. Oh, but, um, I think that's I think that's been taken off now. Main thing is you're um, you're still writing, is that right? Um, yeah. I haven't actually been able to write anything since lockdown. That's interesting. Neither really? have I. I went through it. Yeah. Uh, do you know all these people that suddenly got so creative when mm. that all happened? I was like, how are you yeah. doing that? My head's a mess. No, I've heard that you've got the two extremes. You've got those that are churning out book after book after book because they're just loving it. And then those like us. Because a lot of the, the majority of my books are, I like to think, witty. And I'm just finding it really <laughs> hard to be witty because there's really nothing to be laughing about at the moment. No, it's tricky, isn't it? It's so, it's, and I mean, that's sort of the same for me. I mean, obviously, I, I had a couple of books that were on the go and I just, everyone was like, oh, that's the perfect chance to finish those. And I was like, yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> My brain says, uh-oh. Mm, no, it's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird experience, but um, hopefully, are you feeling a bit better now? Things seem a bit more positive? Or... Um, in some ways, I am. In other ways, um, it, yeah, it's a hard slog to write a book. You know, it's not just me. It's my husband, Roy, as well. He does all the editing. He does all of the book cover and all the promoting. Like you said uh, earlier that, you know, before you'd written your first book, you would you had all these notes and, you'd, you know, you, you kind of were writing it anyway mm. and... and a, that's sort of what I do and I think a lot of writers and uh, performers do do that um so you're kind of doing it in your head anyway but it's just finding yeah. the the reason to go that one stage further and and all that all the hard work that that entails as you say it's mm. um it's a lot if you've got an inkling yeah. that zero is going to come yeah. from. Yeah, and of course, I always think the next one could be, you know, the big thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, they because obviously they never go away. They're they're all there for people to discover yeah. and enjoy. So, um, so the first one was Diary of a Mummy Misfit. What was the what was the last novel that you the whole novel the that you read? Last or? novel was um, Half as Good as You. And what was that one about? That's about a married woman, young who discovers her husband's gay and um their journey really um how she feels she'll never find somebody as good as him um and of course she does because that's what happens in rom-coms and she also finds a winning lottery ticket in the street and that kind of leads her to um the new love interest you've done some um christmas novellas two of those is that something why do you do those what's the what's the difference what's the joy in those um the joy they're quick to write that's for sure Um, and it's quite good to have something every now and again at Christmas just to give away. You do a freebie on um, Kindle. People get a freebie and they like it. They then go on to buy your other books. So they're quite nice to just have um, as a little Christmas gift to people. That's really nice. That's a nice thing to do. You do a lot for charity, charity fundraising. And, you know, I've, I've attended a couple of your events. <laughs> yeah, I do fundraising for HUK Wandsworth um, in memory of my mum because she was um, one of their Be A Friend, on their Be A Friend scheme, even into her 80s. She was a friend to the elderly. So, yeah, I do an annual oh. fundraising event for them, which, of course, this year won't be happening, but we'll be back next year. Would you ever think or be ready, do you think, to, to write something more personal? Personal as in based around my story of my mum no no I don't think so I think that would um, be a step too far <laughs> yeah and I, I like the fluffy frilliness of of chiclet and you know that kind of losing yourself in in another world of darkness really and I mean there's such a such a need for it especially now it's a shame you can't just write some more <laughs> now because everybody needs them <laughs> 
we need you, Amanda. Has written a prescription. <laughs> write more. Exactly right. <laughs> write some more because we need the fluffy because it's all not yeah. very fluffy at the yeah, moment. It's, all a bit it's a bit spiky. <laughs> So um, what other um, sources of inspiration? Because there's there's one, isn't there? I seem to remember, I think it might have been a, a couple of years ago now that was um, set in the world of drag queens. That's right, Stilettos and Stubble. Um, that's the one. That's another um, very sad lockdown story that I have to tell. Um, we were very oh. close to um, Stiletto and Stubble in the very first stages of becoming a musical. <gasps> yeah, and of course now, who knows, with theatres and the way things are going, a musical production company expressed great interest and we met and they asked if I could get three three to four songs put together for them and we did. We were just finishing the fourth one and of course then we had lockdown so I guess there's not going to be any new musicals coming up anytime soon. Live theatre will persist and, you you know, it will come back and that sounds amazing. That sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, I can just so see it because it is just, you know. Yes. As you say. As soon as you said it. in a drag club and, you know, a woman finds love in a drag club. They loved it and they thought it was very timely. Yes. My husband actually did the lyrics for one of the songs and it is very, very good. Oh, what's it called? Uh, What, the song? Yes. That's a really good question, Jo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh God, that's dreadful, isn't it? I can see it in my head and I'm trying to get to the title. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it'll come to you later yeah. on in the conversation. It's fine. It's fine. But that ju- that sounds like uh, such an exciting opportunity. And the thing is, don't be disheartened about that because my what I would say is if you feel like it's a long way off from a, a sort of being a West End yeah. musical, I, I would approach some other some smaller companies that would take it to Edinburgh, for example. Well, I think that's um, where it starts from what the... Um... The theatre company were telling me, but they, they go and find the funding for it. I think that's how it starts. It starts off with the smaller ones, obviously, and gets tested and tested and tested, and then eventually would hit Broadway, of course. Well, I still have every faith in that project. I don't think that's going to lose interest at all. I think it's going to be more needed than True. ever. Well, fingers crossed. Well, I mean, that whole world. I mean, considering sort of how dour everything's been yeah. <laughs> to come to come to spring back after lockdown and COVID with a a stilettos and stubble type show. I think that sounds, mm. I, I'd be there. I'd buy the tickets now if they want to. <laughs> I'd give you one for free. <laughs> oh, thanks. You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. This would ordinarily be an advertising break, but as I don't yet have an advertiser, why not check out standingoncustard.com where you can buy all four of my children's books plus my adult comedy book about online dating, all delivered free and signed by me standingoncustard.com back to the show what's been your career sort of high so far out of everything that you've done oh my career high wow i'm, I'm still waiting for it joe <laughs> <laughs> uh career high i think diary of a mummy misfit was um number one in free at one point that was pretty high because you know takes a while to get to number one free in the rom-com and if even though you're not writing because uh, obviously You've said that you're the same as me in that, you know, lockdown hasn't been a, an endless supply of no. <laughs> material and, and being in the mood for writing. Have you have you just stopped writing anything altogether or have you found that you are still feeling the need to just write to get things off your chest sort of thing, but they're not necessarily um, novels? I've been note-taking, I would say. So a character will pop into my head or um, 
rough outline for a novel or even maybe a snippet of conversation. So I make sure I've always got those, you know, to hand for you know, the day that it all comes back to me. And that's interesting. So what is your what is your process as a as a writer? I, I never ever plan. I never do a chapter plan. I just I need to have my characters first and roughly know where they're going on their journey. And then I've just got to start writing. And because I've got the characters already quite firmly in my head, they kind of lead me and tell me where they want to go. Because if I, if I know at the beginning, this is what I used to fail in the past, if I know at the beginning the whole I'm bored, I know the plot, it's like, oh, I've read that book, I'm not interested. So I, I kind of wing it yeah, a bit. Yeah, I'm similar, actually, because I, you know, I'm always in awe of these people that have a whole, you know, post-its oh, yeah. of all the <laughs> who's saying what, when and doing what. And, and I feel like I... Um, I always equate when I'm writing, and this goes for books and shows and everything, is that it's it's just a bit like channeling. I feel yeah. like I'm just channeling people. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the whole post-it note thing, you then look at and it kind of becomes a job rather than creating. I know you've done all the creating beforehand, but then it just becomes boring to me. Yeah, I mean, I suppose different things work for different people, but I think t- for me, I, I totally get your process because it's, it sounds similar to mine in the fact that I like the freedom yeah. of it and I like I like you like finding yeah. out as as you, you know, you don't know any more than the character does at that yeah. given time and, and it's as much intrigue and, and you, Yeah, you get to excitement. surprise yourself and I think if you surprise yourself, yeah. you'll surprise your reader, um, which is you know what I want to do. Was anyone else writerly in your family? Do you know where you get um, the, the um, no, nobody. talent from? Or nobody, the... actually. Um, both my mum and dad left school without any qualifications. My mum went back to college in her 60s and did O-levels, um, but they both left school with no qualifications. And uh, I've got a sister now who dabbles. She started writing, but she's always liked writing, but never really she had a family to bring up, so she never really did anything with it. But she's kind of dabbling a bit now. But other than that, not that I know of. No, no one in the family has taken this path. No, and what about the acting? Because that that came first. That's right? right, yeah. I went to drama school when I was 18. And again, with writing, just found it really tough. And at the time, well, my dad died when I was 18. After I finished drama school, it was kind of a question of, yeah, there's lots of jobs if you want to do theatre and education or rep and move around the country. And I, my mum never, ever held me back. I would say she never held me back. She always said, you know, you've got to go and do what you want to do. But I couldn't do it to her. I couldn't just leave her on her own. So I, I guess I held myself back. I totally understand that as well because I similarly I, I didn't know that um, about your your father. But I lost mine at um, twenty two, and and it's the same thing. And I I totally understand. You suddenly become yeah. so protective. And when you're, I always used to say, you know, when you're one parent down, the other one becomes so yeah, much precious. more yeah. valuable. Not that they weren't valuable together, but you know, once you've once you've uh, lost one you do really really appreciate the other one mm. so much more than you could ever mm. imagine and you know like I've always been the same I would never have taken a touring show or done anything that meant that I was too far away for that yeah. reason your your mum sounds hugely interesting though because she she left school with no education and then took her O-levels in her 60s yeah, she did she did O-level um, English literature and O-level maths or actually, I think it, I think actually by then, no, it was, I think it was still O-levels or it might have become GCSE by then, I don't know. But yeah, she did that in her 60s. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge thing to say. Yeah, do. she was so proud of herself. And of course, we were very proud of her as well. And um, 
Yeah, she was just determined to get some qualification. She felt she'd been robbed of her education, um, obviously because of the war. You know, it's never too late, basically. You know, kudos, yeah. power, all power yeah. to her. That's a, an amazing thing to turn around and do when you're yeah. 60. And I, I mean, I know you obviously said that you were proud of her for doing that, but she must have been enormously proud of your achievement. Oh, she was. She used to love keeping up with my sales and, you know, always talking to me about Twitter and what are people saying about your books now? And she used to read my blog. Um, yeah, she, she, was a, she was a very proud mummy. Is your son, is he showing any signs of rightly fashion or is um, completely oh different dear. to you? I think he sort of dabbles a bit, but he will write all really weird stuff, my boy. <laughs> He'll probably have a bestseller before me. It will be so weird. Yeah, he will. He reads very peculiar stuff, so I think he will go that way if he decides to. But yeah, he'd have to have a bit of more self-discipline, I think. During this time, it's quite difficult to, to maintain that as well, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> How has it all been living life under lockdown? It's been there? fine. It's been us with um, our son Ben and his fiance Kiki. So it's been the four of us, which has been okay. They're not champing at the bit to get out, um, which is amazing. Uh, they're very happy in their own company and with us and yeah we make it fun we do daft nights we did something for Eurovision we had a party for four for Eurovision and all sorts of silly things we get up to so um, we're not murdering one another yet but watch this space good <laughs> good 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 but you do love to entertain and do stuff so it's um it's finding ways to still sort of do that I suppose. yeah I've always loved to love entertaining anything from murder mysteries to quiz nights to you know, anything that is fun a little bit of planning I love all of that <laughs> and are you doing you, you talked briefly just about the the charity fundraisers that you do so your, your charity event would have been what in October, in October yeah um because the National Lottery is 25 years old this year they they were giving away grants ironically for um people to get the community together which of course we can't do now <laughs> but I was lucky enough to get 650 pounds um, towards my charity event this year decorations entertainment food but I can keep that money for next year so we'll just make it bigger and better next fabulous oh that's lovely and the age uk is so your your mum got involved with that first many years she ago. did yeah i think she was probably probably in her 70s uh and once again she was bored um so she, <laughs> she became uh, they've got their be a friend scheme so you you get budded up with somebody so she would go and sit and have a cup of tea with the elderly and she did that more or less right the way through till she passed away so when I wanted to do something in her memory, AGK seemed a fitting charity to go with. So, yeah, but I enjoy it. I love doing it. It's, it's good to do stuff for others. And I, I think especially during this time as well, it's nice to have something outside of yourself to yeah, focus on, yeah. isn't it? So, so you and Roy haven't um, come to blows yet over lockdown, so you're all still getting but, on See, fine. we're used to being together. <laughs> we met at work, so we're used to being together 24-7. We actually hate it when we're not, so I know that's very unusual for a couple, for couples to say that. But that's we love lovely. being together. How long have you been married? 26 years this year. <gasps> yes. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, and together for oh, nearly 30, so um, yeah, a long time. And we still like one another, so that's good. That's proper romance, <laughs> isn't it? You don't hear about that so often you these days. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, 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 so lovely. And uh, Roy is, he's, uh, he's an Aussie. Mm. So was he, he was already here. You didn't meet in Australia. No, did you? he was here. He was actually my boss. I thought he's got a good sense of humour and he makes me laugh. I was actually engaged at the time. Um, so that's another story. Um, but <laughs> that sounds like a good story. Let me hear that story. <laughs> anyway, he whisked me <laughs> off my feet. What more can I say? And uh, I've never looked back. Oh, that's amazing. So how long were you engaged before? <laughs> uh, well, I've been with, as I die, for 10 years. 
Well, he'd had plenty of time well, to marry exactly. you, you know. That's yeah. his own fault. And I think we were engaged about a year. <laughs> we were living together. Yeah, and he actually contacted me at the beginning of lockdown, which was very odd. It was quite oh. nice to have just on Facebook to have a chat. And he's getting married again, so I'm happy for him. Oh, that's nice. Isn't it nice when everyone's all nice and um, honest and open and uh, normal yeah, about I'm things? not so sure it was honest <laughs> and open at the very beginning. but that... <laughs> No, clearly, actually, very good point, Amanda. Clearly wasn't. <laughs> And have you got for listeners um, a website for your literary? Um, they can go to um, obviously Amazon.co.uk and look up Amanda yeah. Egan E G A N. That's my page. My author page is there. Or they can go to my blog, which is uh, Mummy Misfit Blogspot. Or come and see me on Twitter. Yeah, Mummy underscore Misfit. Come and talk to me there. Yeah, you're you're so good with your Twitter. I'm I'm still not great. I was I was posting something this morning and it didn't come. It didn't. Uh, appear on my tweet that it appeared in tweets and replies and I was like why is that and I had to look it up but it was because I'd started the whole thing off with an at Ah, someone so yes I had no idea you know I I, I need a whole marketing department really (laughs) but you know it's it's just me still doing it all well it's been amazing talking to you Amanda and um I hope um, that you get your your writing fingers back on. Thank you, and you. (laughs) Is that the right thing? Your writing fingers back on, that doesn't sound right at all. What else? What's the normal phrase? I I don't don't know. know. Um, There there must be one. What's an analogy for writing? I'm not quite sure. I'm sure we'll think of it later. I'm still trying to think of the title of that song and it hasn't come to me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But honestly, just going back to that, I think that sounds genius and I'm sure there'll be so many listeners going, yes, that sounds like a great show. Yeah, it will be fun. Basically, what you can all do now, listeners, if you were thinking that like me, and I actually haven't read that one, so I, sh- I need to do this, we need to all download on Kindle. Um, yeah. We definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> I've just thought of the title of the song, The Queen of Low Self-Esteem. Oh, how wonderful. Suddenly popped in my head. Where does that, that come already? from? I'll send you a copy of the song. I'll email it to you. You can hear it. Oh, I bet it's But brilliant. you've got to realise that the guy that's singing it is the guy that did the music. It should be a woman singing it. So he's singing it. So okay. it sounds a bit odd that it's a bloke singing it. Um, but it's the heroine. But he's, he's doing it. I'll send it to you. It's really good. Made me cry when Roy wrote it. An old shoe like you Cast aside past my Jew along with the passion we're both out of fashion and you you deceived when I chose to believe your style would enhance me to have him romance me just layers that hide who I am deep inside a facade a totally other me But I see it now Although you refined me You didn't define me Just shallow illusions To hide my protrusions When I shed my skin To reveal what's within Just witless, a cross on his headless. Did she know? Did she care?
if we're not there, could she be that malicious? Not even suspicious. But then, nor was I when I looked in his eyes. Not a single clue that he'd ever do that to me. Although she's not blameless, his actions were shameless. They both wounded me in their complicity. While she said. Let alone fancy me. They run from the sight of her. Look at the height of her. All six foot two of me shouldn't be hard to see. They don't make eyes at her 'cause of the size of her. I bought this on Amazon. She's Amazonian. Mom thought I looked a mess. Sometimes more is less. Why does she? I literally can't tell. I, I mean, this must happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the biggest fan of this now. Well, you know, fingers absolutely. Crossed, fingers crossed. It has to happen. And and just don't stop working on that because that sounds like a dream. It sounds like an absolute dream. And it sounds like the sort of thing that everyone will go wild yeah. for as soon as they're yeah. allowed out. So it's going to take a little I bit reckon. longer, that's all. These things do. And sometimes, I mean, often you find when you think something's been a huge backward step that it often ends up being in your favor and you, you know you you might find that actually given this time to work on it a bit more that you'll hone it and it'll be even better and that people that weren't available the first time round will be available yeah, now things and, happen for a reason you know. on that note i'll say love you and leave you thank Thanks you so very much. much for having me it's been great thanks for listening to real folk with me joe burke